Episode 86 of the Light Shed Podcast. <laughs> Brandon Ross, Walter Leaving it in the Bison, background because it's so good. And Richard S. Greenfield here for your infotainment needs. Happy Festivus. Happy Festivus. Happy Festivus. For the rest for of us. For the rest of us. This is, are, is the, will there be an airing of the grievances? So maybe some feet. Well, I guess we can't do I, I have some, some grievances. I have grievances. Okay. This could be a miracle, a Festivus miracle, but go on. I don't want to say it, though. Okay. I think we should keep it in-house. You can save that for later. But happy Rich, how, how is your vacation going? Are, I mean, you, are you feeling my relaxed? Vacation talking, yeah, very relaxed, but I'm talking to you guys, um, you know, instead of being out on a beach this afternoon. Well, that's rough morning, because but, 10 minutes or in, in about an hour, then you can just go out to that beach and Brandon can go that, out to that the is slopes. True. But some of us are, have neither of that. So I feel bad for you. It must be rough. Uh, you know, it must be very I, hard for you, Rich. Walt. Yes. It must be very challenged. Why aren't you somewhere this week? Exactly. Great point. I, I, it, it is a real question. Yes. You're, you're, you're expressing some bitterness. That Correct. Why didn't you just go away? Maybe he likes being home for Christmas. I mean, that's not that's a lot, a lot of people do like being home for Christmas. I was hoping for a free trip somewhere. A last free, free, free trip. <laughs> like CES. Yeah, exactly. Well, I guess no anyway. one's going to see. I don't even know what's going on anymore. I don't even like fully know my plans i don't i may not, not leave here because i don't think the, like is fish going to even happen at msg everyone i know has fucking covid so maybe everyone. by then everyone will have had covid um and so it won't matter we were thinking about going that's, to montreal but, but we got days. concerned about we got concerned about the covid so there's ces also that a lot of people are backing out from covid uh light show was going to be there rich Reefield was was recently quoted in the new york post <laughs> Um, in, in case anyone missed this, and, and his quote was, there are just so many people with COVID, he said. Who wants to get stuck quarantining in Vegas? I got. So, I, am, I am not kidding. That was sent to me via text message from many, many people. Um, I'm, sure if you're think- sitting, I'm sure if you're sitting in a lovely beach somewhere and, you know, somewhere in the Caribbean, I can understand. But there are many, many other people that would love to get quarantined in, in Vegas. Rich, thoughts? None, nonetheless, Rich, that definitely furthered our thought leadership goals. That quote. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> who wants to get stuck quarantining in Vegas? Who wants to get stuck quarantining in Vegas? Oh. <laughs> what's sort of amazing, though, is, is that I was, when I went to, jing- I was at Jingle Ball, what? 
10 days ago. I think Jingle Ball was like 10 days ago. And when I was there, you know, everybody was still no, but everybody was going like iHeart said they were doing their big party and their big event. Like, you know, everybody was basically talking about how they were still going to forge through. They were going to make it happen. And, you know, literally in the last 48 hours, T-Mobile, Amazon, iHeart, Facebook, Twitter, everyone is just bailing on CES. Like it is just a complete collapse in the last 48 hours. And I just I think to your point, Brendan, I think everyone just knows so many people with COVID. I think I forget which I think Harvard or one of the big schools, one of the big Ivies just went remote for January. Uh, well, Cornell was shut down. I don't know if you remember that. Well, that's only yeah, for, that was, and that was only for finals. Um, so I don't know. You can't really go remote for January because most of the schools, unless you're on a trimester like UCLA, they don't really go back to school until the or end Dartmouth. of January. So that sounds like shady information. So I mean, you might want to hold back on some making some of those things unless you hear well, about no, them. No, look no, no, like, like, no, 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 He's like, oh, I'm getting really serious here. I'm getting serious. I don't think any of the world. IVs go back. Uh, By the way, at the start of January. No, no, mid January. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. So they're going to be remote for the first week. Maybe. The first couple of weeks. We'll say. I mean, if you look at the numbers in South Africa, I think they're they're plummeting yeah, they quickly. So I think dropped. things change by the day. So I yeah, I think it's it's better that we and nobody plays into this fear mongering that goes on right now, where people freak out about stuff. When I don't think uh, there's anything to be afraid of. I mean, right. if you look at the hospitalization and death rates, they're extremely Correct. low. My guess among the is, among the vaccinated. Yeah, yeah my guess is you. most That's people important. listening to this podcast are vaccinated. No judgment if you're not. Well, maybe a little bit. Um, well, it's got the personal that. choice, in my opinion. But we yeah, didn't, don't need to go down that path. But <clears throat> the reality Absolutely. is that things are shutting down very quickly. But we'll see how quickly, how long that quickly. lasts. My my feeling is that this cycle will be um, relatively quick. I hope. I hope I'm not wrong. What do we got on that? How does so, this impact the Olympics, well, Rich? Yeah. So I think that's the question is like NHL players won't take part in the 2022 Winter Olympics. Well, maybe they should be taking part in the Olympics because it's in China and that's a country that is oppressive with just yesterday taking down a statue in Hong Kong. Oh, yeah. The last remaining uh, commemoration of the Tiananmen massacre, Um, not to mention the fact that they had that um, tennis player basically come out and, and say like, oh, by the way, yeah, I never really made that sexual harassment in the first place. Maybe that's why you shouldn't be going to the Olympics, but I digress. I think this is though still a very big deal for Comcast and NBC, for Discovery over in Europe, especially for Comcast. I mean, this is still a material event for them from an advertising standpoint, a promotional standpoint. So look, I have no idea. It is sort of hard to imagine everyone descending upon Beijing in the middle of this Um Especially because China doesn't seem like they've been affected by Omicron so far, so it'll be interesting what they want. You mean Omicron? because they because they said that they haven't? Right, exactly. I Either they fair. said, that's or they fair. take that's people fair. and rip Dude. them out of their apartments and stick it, them it, in quarantine. Looking at these, looking at these statistics, China yeah. is <laughs> exactly is the least affected country in the world by COVID. Maybe they can take the the, the people that are that have uh, touche all touche. of those all of those, em- all of those empty cities that they built. They can they can create um, you know little leper villages for their for their citizens and rip them out of their apartments. All right, okay. we everyone's, don't. Everyone's we a little fired up this political. morning. No, no, I'm everyone's fired a little fired up. up. How, how's that I'm political? Literally... These are facts. These are facts. I mean, it's not political. Okay. That's what happens in China. 
I mean, I'm not sure exactly how to introduce the next section, but there's a lot of tweets. So we're going to start off with essentially what was a in the last 24 hours. We've had a pretty this is the best, a pretty aggressive battle between Mark Andreessen and Jack Dorsey. And what it wasn't that aggressive because Mark just fucking blocked him. And that was that. Yeah, but like, but, but, the, but the think fact think that a leading Mark... venture, but, but the fact that a leading venture capitalist would block one of the most thoughtful, kind of thoughtful innovators oh. in the space challenge. Um, no, thoughtful. Oh, okay. Jack is. Pr- okay. Oh, you're Jack talking about been, Jack being thoughtful. I'm saying yeah, Jack yeah. has been one of the most yeah. thoughtful people, just in general, about sort of the web and where the world is going, and the fact that Mark would block Jack Dude. no matter what. The actual comments, but doesn't, just doesn't this underscore the Web three and the crypto bros that basically they Dude. use a lot of buzzwords and then when they can't actually explain it in words like "oh, you're an idiot" and then I'm just going to block you because they can't yeah, figure and out. Well, let's reset 100%. for a second. First of all, going you know before the whole Web three craze, um, this is and Mark Andreessen's been doing stuff like this for a long time. He's been known to block people who's opinions he he disagrees with which you know isn't really embracing the web3 principles of decentralization especially considering the one of the main places he was blocking people from was clubhouse if if you go back to that crazy oh, right. everyone who disagreed right. with yep. him he would him and like everyone from a16z was blocking them off of clubhouse including um the press Taylor Lorenz, I, I think it yep. was. Yep. yep. Yeah. And 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 many others. So you know there has definitely been a history of this coming out of the, that organization. Who allegedly now made we that could poor... get to the merits of it? Go ahead. Just a quick, just a quick side note, Brandon, or side question. Sure. Who, go ahead. Who was it that offered four billion dollars um, allegedly for Clubhouse? Oh. Who do you remember who that was? Was it was it Jack? Well, so maybe there's a little bitterness there about like, hey, oops, maybe I should have taken that four billion dollars. I mean, Jack, Jack, <laughs> Jack directly though um, attacked Mark and A16Z in general in his in early parts of like this sure. sort of. Um, it's not one tweet storm. <laughs> it's just like sort of this. Yeah, but it's not like Jack has not gotten. Last few days. It's not like Jack has not gotten attacked by many of these people on many occasions about you know all the stuff that's happened on twitter right i mean I'm, you know so it's like oh of, of course I, you can i can throw stones at you but you can't throw them back at me like i don't know it kind of goes but it wasn't none of this i don't think was done in a personalized or distasteful no i distasteful think in way. fact i don't think he even mentioned a16z or he, he mentioned it. i mean it was uh, did he i mean it was very obvious who who he was I mean, talking about. And, Jack was showing that, tweets is like A16 and he literally showed their motto oh, uh, the software okay. eating the here. You know, here. Oh, the right, right, here. right, 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 <laughs> yeah. right, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, Jack goes, we, you don't own Web3. The VCs and their LPs do. It will never escape their incentives. It's ultimately a centralized entity with a it different is. label. Well, know what the, you're getting into. By the into. way, what, what, what Andreessen Horowitz has done, and we've kind of had a firsthand um, look at this because we've looked at many of the companies in which they've invested. They go in, they try and take the entire rounds um, of fundraises. They pick winners. They drive valuations up as high as possible to keep others out. And then they try and control the narrative about 
um, what's happening and pump their companies through their um, social channels and their quote media business. So they are trying to take the reins of centralizing the decentralized web. <laughs> Which is <laughs> and Jack right. called them out on it. I right. mean, look, I, I'm not saying that they're that it's like no hate, like they're doing something that is, you know, going to benefit their, you know, LPs and themselves. Um, but the ethos of Web3 are completely bastardized by what's going on. And, J and Jack called it out. That's all. And by the way, like a lot of what I, I love Jack. Love, says, love I know, we, we know you do, um, and has spoken about has been very educational for all of us. Like Chris Dixon is the thought leader in that space. Um, but oh, so, so everyone's watching them aggressive on Twitter, so. in controlling. So here's their opportunity then to explain, and they're forced to explain it in simple terms at a fifth grade reading level because it's on Twitter and they're limited in the number of characters. And apparently there's an inability to do that. So rather than actually trying to explain something, it's just like, oh, you guys don't get it. This is the future. So I'm just going to block you rather than actually trying to engage into, on this topic. Get into a discourse. Yeah. I think, that's, yeah, the more incredible. mature that, that's thing what's so to upsetting. do is, is to upsetting. respond it's funny. With, you, with, it's your, funny. with your side of the story. Sure. <laughs> yeah, and I'm now a, all the opportunists are trying to get uh, Andreessen and Jack on like um, at conferences. We won't say who. Speaking of opportunists, though, but if we stick with opportunists, oh, actually, Walt, do you want to read? I think you had something else you wanted to read with. Ah, we can sacks. skip over that. That's fine. You want to skip I mean, that? David's, David's okay. I mean, David, people basically that weren't involved in the discourse, but want to be involved in the discourse kind of jump in, in between. And then Jack, I, look, I just recommend anyone follow Jack. Look at his replies. I think he did. It was very entertaining what he did and just, um, you know, called some of these people out. So. Um. Talking about opportunists, though, um, Brandon, why don't you read this? Because I think you love a lot of the people that are opportunists. Well, on first of all, slide. set up what this is from. This is a random sure. Twitter account that did a poll. So there's nothing beyond just a rando Twitter account that did a poll saying who's. But it's pretty funny. Who's who's the finance charlatan of the year for 2021? So, Brandon, you can read off the winners. Congratulations. To Chamath, who has won the 2021 Finance Charlatan of the Year by the widest ever margin. Number two, Elizabeth Warren. Should we stop there? No. no, no, no. I think you should. <laughs> number three, Kathy Wood. Number four, Mark Minervi, which is remember the guy that he was like, what, what did he, he? I can't even remember now, but it was like he botched something. Uh, oh, he was the guy that was interviewed on CNBC. And he was pumping some stock and they asked him like, yeah, what? I think we asked, asked him what it was. And he, we, we did. We played the video. And he, could, he didn't that even know what the hilarious. company was. So what's was amazing hilarious. by these people being at the top is what who they, and pomp after that. And, and who they beat out was Bill Wong, who was like, <laughs> who drove Viacom to what was it? Like $5,000 or something. Yeah, it was like, he drove Viacom up to a hundred dollars. Um, then right above that, shut is, his is, fund down, lost, literally billions of dollars and now Viacom and he's and he's and he's lower on this list just to be clear there's and there's ross gerber on there of course um i mean yeah bill wang should be number one come on i mean 
Exactly. Well, I mean, we can we can <laughs> review some of Shamath's statements and actions over the course of the year. But I, I think I think Elizabeth Warren is exactly where she should be at number two, only right <laughs> only right right behind Bill Wang. <laughs> the whole uh, list is pretty special. It's a pretty <laughs> special list. We need to do more polls like that. So, Walt, why don't we shift gears to your Sixers? Wait, well, by the way, Brandon Sixers, any, 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 anyone who has um, any ideas for other financial charlatans of the year, please don't like make a joke and say me or Rich or Walt, obviously. Uh, please send your suggestions and we can discuss them on next week's podcast. Sell side come up with some. I could probably come up with some sell side analysts that are financial oh, charlatans. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we should have our top five dumbest questions on conference calls when we when we come Ooh, up. With, that, would, uh, that would be good. We, do, we need we do kind of need to do a bit of a year in a review next week. It, yeah. it will be our New Year's Eve edition. So speaking of of um, Web three and crypto, metaverse is another uh, topic that gets a lot of uh, interesting descriptions and people flexing about it. Ryan Lawler um, was pointing out a filing that we saw recently about the Sixers who have a metaverse partner. He says, I honestly thought they were kidding, but no, the Sixers metaverse partner actually was a ready mix concrete company a few years ago and pulls a filing (laughs) (laughs) that in fact shows that this was a concrete company. We expect the company's presence as a leading construction industry events and in periodicals to build up a successful reputation. In the metaverse, they were they no, they were constructing the physical world. Now they're constructing the digital world. Exactly, it makes so much synergy. Correct, exactly. This this is obvious. But do you remember in like 2017 when there were companies that were just changing their name to put crypto or blockchain or anything crypto related into their name and then the stocks would go up like a hundred percent right like random like random companies like doing construction that would say hey now we're now we're accepting crypto for for people doing construction (laughs) and change their name so Uh, it's so it's it's sort of like crypto.com which is now sponsoring the super bowl oh look the nfl did that you know i mean no 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 it's interesting like crypto, like we talk about sports betting all the time as being a massive, you know, out of thin air kind of um, the advertising In- category. It's an incremental add to advertising. It's right. Yeah. It's an incremental and, new category that wasn't there a year ago. And and it's been pretty massive, right? Yep. That the whole war that's going on um, between the sport between the sport. Betting, um, basically a wharf to see who can lose as much money as possible. But but crypto has has been gaining. If not, have they passed them in total spend? I don't know, but it's certainly for companies like Twitter and like you know for for the online platforms. I, I think crypto has been a very very powerful driver of of ad revenue, um, especially when you still have categories like movies and TV that have still been weaker than in the past. I think this has been a really important infusion. So absolutely, I don't know whether it's bigger or not. I haven't looked at the math, but it's got to be a big number now. I mean, it, Twitter's called it out on their conference calls. Well, now Crypto.com, I think, aren't they the sponsor of? The Sixers on their jersey. Well, crypto is. Yeah, maybe. I, I should. But they will that. have a Super Bowl commercial. A Super Bowl commercial. Sort of insane. Anyway. Yeah, I think they are, and then they have um, the Staples Center. By the way, you so know they're also aggressive. 
You know, also I've noticed has been a big buyer of Twitter ads um, is oh. Neom, which is this is that project that Saudi Arabia has where they're it's like in the middle of the desert where they're doing like this technology development. Neom and N-E-O-M. You haven't seen it? You can block I, it. I have not seen it, but, yeah. but I should take a look. Twitter has uh, the best and most targeted ads. So they're targeting uh, maybe because I've, I've we, we, we know you don't how I like that, blood okay. money. <laughs> I, I really enjoy that book, Blood Money. So that's why they're targeting me with the Neom ads. I think they're just doing it overall broad buy. So let us know if you've received those Neom ads in your Twitter feed. So Sony is feeling pretty good because Spider-Man is on its way very quickly to being a billion dollar film, crushing any expectations. I mean, even the wildest expectations were crushed over the course of the last few days. Uh, this thing is probably going to be at a billion dollars by, it could even be at a billion dollars globally by Sunday, Crazy. which is astounding. astounding. What Third highest opening weekend ever, third highest Monday ever. Yep. What was, so the Tuesday, where was that? But I don't. I don't remember where Tuesday was. Where but I remember rank? looking. But but I, I remember that Tuesday. Yes. But what's interesting is Tuesday was still down from Tuesday two years ago because yes, Spider Man itself is crushing it. But, but the overall box a, office. There hasn't else. been any other content that's come out. Well, there is. I mean, it just hasn't performed. West Side Story look, hasn't performed. So, Matrix so reviews what, sound pretty bad. So what the theatrical bulls are going to say is this is proof that people will go to the theaters if there's something that they want to see and that the reason people haven't been going to the theaters has nothing to do with them not wanting to go but the fact that there hasn't been any good content there well how does richard greenfield respond no i I think that's the perfect answer is that Yes, if there's an awesome movie that has a community experience or communal collective experience, to quote Mr. Tarantino, if there's a collective experience worthy film that's actually really a good movie, people will go. The problem is when you actually talk to people, you go, how many movies a year is that? Is that five movies a year? Even if it was 10 movies a year, even if it was 10, that doesn't get you $11 billion of of domestic box office. That might get you six or seven, maybe even five or six. So there's there's going to have to be a restructuring of the theater business. They're probably going to have to make the experience stand out a little more from the home experience. Um, But does this make you question your beliefs about either day and date or straight to streaming? Should something like Spider-Man ever go straight to streaming? Look, I guess the question is if Spider-Man No Way Home was available day and date at home, like if it was available on Netflix and in theaters, how many people would have still gone to see it in theaters? I mean, look at Dune. Yeah, but Dune they, they, did really aren't well. You just, you're just supporting what Brennan's um, was inferring, I think, which is then don't offer it day and date because in this case, when you want to drive more traffic through theaters, at least and, for the first two buzz weeks. buzz around the film. Yeah. Like it's, it's become a cultural event. Correct. Sure. The question is, do you how often do they know beforehand and make that call right? Yeah, right? Like, you know, so so yes, I, I agree. In this case, it clearly worked. In the case of how many other movies this year did it not work? Do you think billion dollar movies are really a surprise though? I mean, maybe a surprise 700 versus a billion two, but like, is it really that much? Was this really that much of a surprise? I mean, off the charts, sure. Maybe they that's knew, a surprise. They knew it was going to be big. It's they Marvel. Didn't, no one had any idea it was going to be this big. 
That's fair. People are also saying it's like the best MCU Not movie like they've Disney seen in a long Marvel. time. Yeah, the quality of this movie know. is very good. So I don't know. Yeah, I just think like, if you make a great movie and you make it exclusive, people will certainly go to theaters. It's a hundred percent. So then, what? So so let's assume you you're going to make that if you're the movie if you're the whatever you call it the studios or whoever's making the decisions, and you decide that on let's say you pick five to ten movies a year, and you're right on three of them. What's the downside of holding back on day and date for the other seven? You lose a lot of money. I mean, how West Side Story, money? they took a bloodbath on West Side Story. I mean, how much do West Side Story probably cost? I don't think you understand my dollars. question. Or maybe let me rephrase my question. Okay. You're, what is, first of all, let, let's, let's walk you through it. What is the point of day and date? You're making more money with day and date than you were just releasing in the theaters. Uh, actually, you're making less money, well, but you're it's, it's, okay. So that's my point. Service. It, so why not? Driving, your hard, service. It's hard to finger. But are you driving the, like, for those ten movies? Impact. Right. For those ten movies, are you? If you delay them, whatever, two three weeks, are you really materially impacting your streaming service by by rolling the dice on five to ten movies a year to see if maybe they're going to hit the buzz that Spider Man has? Um. Like I'm gonna be, I'm, you're gonna be more willing to like do streaming because day and date for every single movie as opposed to these five to ten where they're gonna roll the dice and hope for a big, you know, or maybe if it's just five. I don't know. If it was two weeks, I probably would agree with you. If it's 45 days, so if you're gonna reboot marketing, spend a ton on marketing, blow up and not generate the dollars, and then go start remarketing it. So there's an old inappropriate. Later. There's an old inappropriate saying that I will hopefully don't not get canceled for, but um, I think that saying goes. I, now that I now that we've established you're a whore, let's just determine the price. So now, so now you're off day and date. So what is it? One week, two week, three weeks? I mean, so then then it's just debatable whether it's forty five days or two weeks in terms of what impacts well, streaming. Well, like, well what, hold on, what the but, winter, but, hold, that's important. In March 2020, before the pandemic, it was seventy five days. No, it's sure. Um, no, it's so, come so now to we're at days. now we're at forty five. So okay, so let's assume been it's a material 30. amount of progress. Sure. Go on, well, right. So my point is that like. To, to Brandon's point, like you're giving up this ability to kind of drive buzz, which actually has even greater impact perhaps on streaming. So like, why not roll the dice for pick a number, 15, 30, 45, whatever the number is and play with it and see, see which one's the right number. Whereas it's the nice balance where you can get I, a little bit of both. I think so the most far, the interesting movie theaters have Disney, said, unless though, it's right. Because Disney has a very, very good batting average. And slugging percentage, obviously, when it comes to these event movies. Mm -hmm. So Disney, who is putting stuff out, Marvel and Star Wars and Pixar all the time, that is going to, you know, more often than not, drive buzz at the box office. Sh should they stick to the uh, theatrical? That's my and, question. And by the way, by the way, I am just asking questions. I'm not giving an opinion on this. Rich, one, one last I'm, comment I'm before driving you, conversation. One last comment before you, you, you give us your response to all this. In the case of Disney, I just watched the season finale of, of Hawkeye last night. So it's not like there's other reasons people are subscribing to Disney that they're not churning off and waiting for the big movies. Now go rich. No, like Eternals. Um, should that have had a forty-five day window? Or well, it was a bad movie, movie have... but maybe. But okay, so if it didn't, so they rolled the dice. That one didn't work. So if they it was lost money, so did they lose subscribers? Like, how does that negatively impact streaming? I guess the question would be: if It's not a chance. Movie... It's not as much of a chance to positively impact streaming. Is is what? Rich's but if it's a shitty is. movie, what's going to impact positive streaming anyway? <laughs> mm. 
I think a movie is viewed differently if you didn't pay extra for it than if you paid $100 for a family yes. of five to go see it and not enjoy I, it. I think the best argument against Disney, like keeping theatrical, like honestly, is that they have so little content to drive their streaming service that they actually need um, those movies to, to drive subscribers. And that's evidenced by the fact that subscriber growth has come to a complete halt for Disney. So this is a lever that they have similar to how HBO Max used the lever last year. That's the best argument. That or day and date where you give the consumer the choice and you don't do theatrical exclusively is is probably the best middle solution. So those who want the event experience can have it and those who don't can utilize disney plus sorry well i am going to agree with you and at the same time disagree with you awesome i agree with you they need broader content to help the subscription as we've talked about but i'm going to disagree with you in saying that like okay but they have other like episodic um programming shows whatever you want to call them that are the people that care about marvel and star wars or not right so you have them you have them anyway that you have them anyway like they're not going to they're not going to churn out anyway we have talked about that yeah they need they need broader content. Yes, at the end wow. of the day, it, it actually looks like Bob Iger. I'm going to call an audible. Bob Iger actually agrees with you, Brandon, in his sort of his farewell swan song this week. He was doing a bunch of interviews, and he literally said, "This is from the streamable from an interview he did." Former oh, yeah. Disney CEO Bob Iger believes Disney Plus needs more diverse content. Yeah, no, I mean no that's, that's absolutely the case. It's it's why we supported sort of the merging of the services in certain international markets. I think they did in South America and parts of Europe, right? Yep. Rich. But, um, but yeah. And why Hulu probably should be a tile within Disney Plus. Right. And yet Hulu remains unresolved as we move into 2022. Yep. Um, so wait a minute. So, so Joel Embiid says if Hulu has live sports, What's he going to say about the concrete metaverse? Sixers have concrete metaverse. Concrete being the concrete being the operative word here. Um, but the other thing that was interesting about this Iger whole kind of swan song this week is uh, there were, there's two things. One, there was a bunch of articles saying Iger may not leave and that he may actually end up, you know, that Chapik may get fired and Iger will come back. I think that is highly unlikely. I, I think the reality is this is really Iger's final exit. And I think, you know, the reality is whether Chapik lasts long term, I don't know. But I, I'd be very surprised to see Iger come back. But one of the things that got a lot of press this week was a story that Iger recounts how he believes that if Steve Jobs had lived, that Apple and Disney would have merged. And people were making it out to be big news. Yet when Iger in his in his book a couple of years ago, he literally wrote the exact same thing and recounted the same memory in his book a couple of years ago. So it was just interesting that this got a lot of play this week, and yet it was essentially you know old news. And I'm not sure why people are so fixated on that. And to me, Apple's doing a pretty good job creating content, as we've talked about on the podcast, without buying a major media company. So I don't I don't really even understand why. Apple would want to be in the theme park business or be in the, you know, stuffed toy business. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me why that merger actually makes sense. Walter, but well, it's much more profitable to send sell a computer stand for a thousand dollars than I guess a stuffed mouse for fifty dollars <laughs> and and stuff not computer mouse. <laughs> 
of stuff to make uh, emails. I would love to go to an Apple theme park. I no, think it would be I, great. I honestly, no, never understood the industrial logic behind merging those two. The only thing I understood was it basically would give Disney a war chest of cash to go out and probably do a lot more of the things that we were just talking about them needing to do to compete with or even surpass Netflix. Because if they could go out there with that core content that they have, those brands that they have, and layer on top of it everything else, that's that's See, that's dangerous. where I disagree. But it's just, that's a, where I disagree, but it, that's Brandon. just a financing vehicle. So, yeah, but, but that's where I know? disagree. Dis- Disney has no leverage, right? Like, you know, yes, they're a little bit more levered now because of the pandemic, but Disney doesn't operate at higher leverage. Like if they wanted True. to invest far more aggressively, no, they could. that's a management, right. that's a board and management decision. That, that's not that a merger. Is, that is, that's Disney. Disney is always just yeah. that way. They don't want to run it, too it, levered, although they had to get pretty levered in the pandemic, if you remember. Um, speaking of improving their leverage, uh, Walt, you want to read um, about AT and T? Can I just can we just go back to that for one second? I'm just sure. Did we? Did that was we talk? not a smooth transition. No, sorry, <laughs> but you know, sometimes you have to be thoughtful and just not move on. And um, okay, did we talk about this on a past podcast about whether Netflix, you know, as they have Stranger Things and some of these other things, how having theme parks would be a part of their longer term strategy or no? Did we not talk about that? I mean, look, that was sort of the logic. If you remember, we we did a whole thing where we wrote, this is probably now a year and a quarter ago, we wrote about why Warner Media should merge with NBC Universal. Like that was the ideal merger. Rather than the Discovery Warner, we yeah. said it should be NBC. And the idea was, hey, if you put all of Warner Media's assets and combined it with the theme parks of Universal. Hey, and pep, sort part of, of it is the That wasn't my question, not, though. I was asking specifically about... That Go was ahead. not my question, though, but good diversion because I want to focus on your one of your favorite companies is Netflix. Did we not... Does it not ever make sense for Netflix to have theme parks? I don't think it does. They're a tech company. Okay. It's way out of their core competency, and I don't think they have enough beloved IP, like ongoing IP, to really make something resonate there if you think about what they have everything that they have is meant to kind of like pop and drop for what three four years max that's their strategy they have no expertise in building theme parks and reed has always kind of done what he's done best and it's worked they have children so there's no children's content in there it's coming a lot of oh, it's coming, but it. but I, where I would disagree well, with Brandon. children's content coming, but for they have not proven that they can do anything in the, in the animation world that's worthwhile. Have they, Rich? No, but but I want to come back to you. Don't have to own a theme park business to be in the theme park business. So no, Nintendo, you, of course, Nintendo but that's, has. But that's not the Nintendo point. is opening up massive theme parks inside of Universal theme parks, so you can license your brand into existing theme parks, which is probably what they would do. Sure. So then, by, okay, thank you very much. So this was a setup. Why couldn't Apple do the same thing? You buy it, you have the content that helps Apple TV Plus, and then you basically punt out theme parks and then just license that content back into another owner of the theme parks. You could. Okay. You could. Good. I don't so even now we know that Apple can buy Apple. Disney. I, there you I, go. Problem solved. Could, of course, they, they could buy Disney. I just have yes. no idea what the industrial just logic remember. is. Still, Apple TV Plus. Somebody... Apple TV Plus. That's the industrial Yeah, but what about logic. ESPN, ABC, and all of the entanglements that come with it? So you we have think 200 so we... TV stations across the country. Like you have a lot of other things that fuck this up. So and we don't by like the way, I'd like this lack of in... 
We don't, don't like understand. sports in the streaming service. We, we, we fully embraced Amazon saying they should do all this stuff in sports, but for some reason that that's not good to, for Apple, Apple to have can just buy the sports directly. You don't need to buy ESPN okay. to buy sports. Just outbid I them. I also just don't buy Sunday understand no, no, why you just buy Sunday tickets. But not, you buy, this is thesis creep. This is, it's not, they're not only buying that, ESPN. They're buying the fucking library of Disney, which is what's driving Disney. Disney Plus is subscriptions are not get were not driven by fucking ESPN. Okay, but the question, but the question is, Walt, like, how does Apple enhance Disney? Like, what is the point besides being a financing vehicle? What is the point? What is the industrial logic of putting those two companies together? I think it's just jumps on your Apple TV business. I guess. I mean, it's I a mean, recurring revenue business. That's that's kind of what they've been rewarded to as the shift of revenue has gone to services. I mean, that's I like, mean, so we so we love the content. Dramatically so we, changing. Who says? Okay, who so even we says love, that we, we love, love the content? The con- we, so we don't love Netflix and the content and the recurring revenue. There's nothing about no, Netflix that we love. I like it's a lot it's of businesses. I love a lot of businesses. It doesn't mean that Apple should own them. That's fair. Like, what's but, the but point they, of creating these giant? conglomerates because they really don't understand it most uh, of the time it happens they get broken up after at&t we could go on go ahead sorry the logic is they have a billion people with cell phones in their hands true so they have distribution and there's another way to to leverage revenue out of them which is exactly what the theme the theme on the stock has been which is driving greater revenue and extracting more subscriptions out of the billion users today and growing that have an iPhone in their hand. So a dilutive deal is, I don't know. So now you're talking price. That's different. Okay. Every deal has a price. We were talking about the, and it does industrial logic have to do with price or does it have to do with why it makes sense for a company? Cause that was your argument. Industrial. Well, they logic. Go it wasn't about it, that, I do not understand. I still don't understand the industrial what, logic. What, I think app- there's many, many companies that, a resident on phones. Okay. Many. What's Apple? What's Apple? Like go through your money? iPhone, Facebook, Twitter, like, and, and many, many others. I don't understand why any of those companies need to be married to the device okay. and how it enhances them. In fact, if anything, being less Switzerland when you're those companies probably mm-hmm hurts the overall service in damaging your relationship with other partners. And there are many more partners who are, there are many more people in the world globally who have Android devices than Mm -hmm. iOS. Okay. So let me go back to the first question before you just diverted to the second question. The first question is to answer the first question in terms of the price is what interest does Apple get on the cash that's on the balance sheet? None. Okay. Secondly, um, well, maybe they should pay it out okay, to investors, right? I mean, this is just philosophy. Uh, can I right? finish my answer? Yep. Go ahead. The answer to the second question is, um, if you which look was at the, really the first question, which we never finished, the industrial logic question, right? Which is that's been the thematic on what investors talk about in terms of Apple is driving the recurring revenue and adding subscription service revenue it's x percent of revenue going to y percent and and getting more service revenue out of those existing customers it's not about lowering the churn i mean the churn of an apple customer people upgrading their phones is already very very good it's just adding 
more services, which is, it seems like the overall market seems to appreciate that given no, the market I, I understand, but you have so. to buy the biggest content company in the world sure. and theme parks and a consumer products business to increase the amount of service revenue. Oh, I, I think agree. what's appreciated is the organic growth. Okay. I don't disagree. We talked about the fact that Netflix did it this way. And, and we, as we've talked on this podcast, and I've said many times that I agree with Rich on this, is that with that type of cash, you can build your own. But to say that there's no industrial logic to buying one of the best libraries out there, I think is, is just wrong. Sorry. We can agree to disagree. <laughs> Let's do that. As we all like to say. Next. Can we do a little John Stanky, Walt? Give him some credit. Speaking of conglomerates that shouldn't have come together, next. Um, so you want to go to the next slide, or, or yeah, I think we should slide. force Brandon to read this because I don't want to go to the next one. I don't want to uh, read this. I, I'm going to read it. Sarah Fisher, breaking. AT and T is selling. AT and T is selling the ad tech unit Xander to Microsoft. Was one of the most botched and mismanaged assets I've ever covered. Deal likely came in under $1 billion, which would still be a freaking, I mean, even if it was seven or $800 million, that is massive for a, you know, in my mind, something that basically had no value. Xander brings in three to 300 to 380 million in revenue annually and loses somewhere between 50 and $90 million. So they got something off their books that was losing a lot of money and that seemed like it was essentially going nowhere. When they bought it originally, Built it. It was more built. Well, they bought. They bought that uh, business. No, they, um, they, 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 bought they bought They bought Abnexus right. for over a billion dollars. Correct. If I remember correctly. Yes. Then they put a whole team against it to try and build it out. Got nowhere because it wasn't their core competency. Yep. Right. And had to yep. get rid of it. Okay. So Apple's core competency is making phones, but they're also, should, should they shut down Apple TV Plus since you want to continue on with this discussion? Should they just shut it down since it's not a core competency and sell it? It's uh, not a core competency. Should, maybe no, they no, should, don't maybe, interrupt. Let them answer. Maybe they shouldn't have built it in the first oh, place. Okay. Actually, I think, actually, it's, that's where I disagree. Is I actually think Apple TV Plus no, they've is actually a done a pretty core good part. I, have to, I think I it's a core part of Apple. They, because I, it's, it's a part, core part of the bundle that they're creating of it's a part of the brand building i think it's a brand building exercise in many ways of rich is, is is gaming part of netflix's core competency just asking i believe it um, is and i oh, can explain yeah. why okay right sure i think what i think netflix is a entertainment bundle i think that video and interactive are merging over time are moving much much closer together and i don't i don't think the skill set difference is going to be materially different in the next five or six years and i think that they generally think ahead to the future the other thing that they're able to do in entertainment is play moneyball because of the size of their subscription base and so they can go out and acquire like they did in video they can go out and acquire games that would never see the light of day that can be successful as part of their bundle. And why can so, they do that? Because they've got a lot of money? Um, not necessarily the money, but that's part I of technical, it. It's I think part money, of it's technical expertise. It's the technical mm -hmm. expertise. And it's that's, their technical expertise is why they can buy games. 
Oh, they have a huge subscriber base that they can, um, like for like example, like spread, a, like a billion, for like for example, a billion iPhone users. Yes. Okay. Got it. Yes. Are we going to continue this? So, one? No, 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 we're no. not. So let's let's, we're going to shift let's, gears. Let's, no, no, let's no, finish we'll... with AT&T, which is let's point out that Stanky has now continues to sell off um, all of the excess stuff, talking about someone trying to focus on their core competencies to, be, to become a comms company. And while the stock um, has rallied against Verizon over the past week, thanks in part to the start off, the kickoff with Simon Flannery, and you had some other people follow on, on uh, with additional upgrades. upgrades it's, it's still trading at a discount on a dividend yield basis to Verizon, even after the, the expected dividend cut. So Stanky kind of continues on with his path of like, cutting to make this a true comms company with enough money to invest and walt was the first person first analyst to really beat the drum on this and he's being kind to others but they just followed his footsteps unfortunately i'm still underwater when we said to buy it though so one of these days we'll get <laughs> what back. dude aren't we supposed to be financial charlatans the, the, wasn't that what 2021 yes. was about yes. <laughs> Well, speaking of speaking of not so much financial charlatans, financial. but more business charlatans, that. business charlatans. I don't know if there's a bigger one in our industry, Brandon, than Ryan Kavanaugh. Uh, this in is every from every industry he ever touched. Remember, he was in our industry. He was a charlatan, went on the run. Then he was in the industry we cover. The movie studio industry was a charlatan. And now Triller. Go ahead, Rich. So A. Brown tweets out, the same TikTok competitor that once reportedly lied about its user numbers has been trying to find someone, quote, dumb enough to spack it for a year, <laughs> says it will go public in the first quarter at a $5 billion valuation with Triller essentially reverse merging into the, it was the old cable tech company called Sea Change. They used to make, I think, set-top boxes and crap or modems. I don't even remember. But Didn't like C-Change or concrete company prior to, to being in tech? <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think so. I mean, maybe they were, but I remember them oh. literally at the cable show. I remember going to the cable show. I guess show you can. And, and seeing Sea change equipment. Competency. <laughs> I guess. It was SPAC. I, I don't know. Because SPACs have gone so well this year. Essentially, this is Triller desperate to get money out, desperate to become public, to get the shareholders who in a, in, in, who who basically invested in this company for no reason now trying to get their money out and take public shareholders for a bath. Uh, this is going to end very badly. I mean, Triller has gone nowhere. It, it literally paid a lot yeah, of people they like Charlie D'Amelio. Yeah. I mean, look, they, they sponsored they, those they, fights. Those were cool. They've done stunts. They've done stunts to try to get users. They don't have an organic user base. And that's the problem. And so this is going to be fun to watch. I actually sort of hope this goes public because it'll be fun to, to deal with this company uh, as a public company versus private. But uh, it's just amazing that Ryan Kavanaugh I will continues. say one thing. If you read it, like the beginning of that tweet is like yeah. with all the SPACs out there who are dying for targets who are going to have to give them money back, they couldn't even get anybody to take them on. Well, to be fair, Very media true. companies. To be fair, media companies are not faring so. Well. I mean, BuzzFeed is down at five dollars and forty-one cents. So, like the, the the media spac environment. I know the overall spac environment sucks, but I think media spacs particularly suck lately. So. Uh, it's just really going to be very, very hard for uh, for them to proceed. There's uh, been a lot on. of companies that never should have gone public that through IPO or SPAC have you know tried to jam it into the to the you know 
blow off top or what was the blow off top of of the cycle so what ifs well i'm talking about blowing up we've got mls blowing uh, off looking like they're looking like they've got media rights that were going for 80 million dollars per year previously and now looking to be 300 million so uh, i know walt's been very early on soccer exploding in the us well, not mls european not soccer. mls i know i know MLS i know fan, but I know, but you're a big soccer fan or big football fan over in Europe, and you were right in terms of what ha- has happened in this country in terms of excitement around the sport. I know this is a different sport, but the sport is certainly growing in popularity, and that's evidencing itself in media rights. I mean, it's a huge that's, step up. I mean, it's, a, a 3X is huge. Um, it's almost a 4X, right? Um, say this, every fucking sports rights deal is getting marked up. Yeah, it's not sports, but, you know, we've been very critical of WWE's ratings um, and the their ability to kind of sustain the deals that they have. The way things are going right now, it doesn't seem like they have much to worry about. Every single deal that comes up is getting a nice markup in the U.S. Internationally continues to be a different story, especially Europe more than Asia. I mean, in, in hindsight, for me, I think going back to the Brandon piece from, I don't know, like in the middle of the hell of COVID, talking about like what are, you know, what drives ratings. I watched last yesterday. It was a random, like it wasn't a regular EPL game. It was a random cup game that Liverpool was playing. The fans were out of their out of their heads. And it was so exciting to watch, to have the fans in the stands going bananas like i just wonder if that was really the ultimately the missing thing in terms of ratings just more fun to watch something it was a big it was retrospectively it was clearly a big part of it although it's interesting because baseball didn't really come back it took the nba another an extra year to to kind of come back ratings have been pretty good this year i'm not sure where hockey is i don't know if you guys know i don't think it's been that but when great. you say baseball didn't come back you're saying those ratings didn't bounce back right they did not so my they argument there would be again i, I baseball I'm, sucks. I'm, I'm, I'm speculating <laughs> well I, i'm gonna yeah. put that aside momentarily sorry Mark. Oh, I, yes, um, I, I know that you're it's your close. talking point it's close i'm gonna get but I don't watch baseball, but my impression was like they don't fill the stands in baseball games, right? So I guess the one argument no, they do. Tell, dude for regular they season do. games. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fill the stand. Okay. Um I but think the reality a, I, is and when you just, say ratings are are better for, for basketball, they're up marginally from two years. Like it's not like they're exploding, right? Like I know, they're definitely not. Like, but they, now look, but they're, they've they're gaining share. If that was, TV, by the way, after like four years of of down. Yeah, I understand. I, I'm just saying, like, even the good is not great. I mean, really, the only thing oh, doing really true. well is football. I mean, football's really the college and pro, really the only things doing. Really and by the way, pro football wasn't even up that much this year. But remember, TV shrinking, less people with Cable yep. television is putting a lot of so, pressure on so it. So massive share is going massive up. Share shift. So if you want to stick around, sports is the way. Eventually, the bundle just becomes sports and news. We know it. And so that's why you have to invest there. And, and Brandon, they you want to read about Zynga? To Let's shift to Zynga. Dollars. Let's go to Zynga. 
Zynga team support on blockchain games. So Zynga had kind of announced, they hired some people. Um, I think it was right before their earnings call last time to announce that they were going to diversify out or extend out um, into building blockchain. I think the incremental that came with this, besides the fact that there was a partner, was sort of the idea that they're going to utilize some of their core IP and try and and try and leverage that to make fun uses of blockchain games. I think that owning NFTs does fits pretty seamlessly into certain invest in express games, like probably the newest iteration of Farmville. We'll see what else they kind of have up their sleeve. Whether that core audience though is going to accept or translate um, into Web3 games, we will see. We know that there was pushback um, when it was done on console um, a couple of weeks ago. However, mobile games, totally different audience, less passionate audience may be more receptive. Well, the only thing I'd say, Brandon, from our recent West Coast trip, we sort of heard the, the, the advantage of sort of, you know, blockchain is that you've got a group of whales in the blockchain world who are willing to spend absurd amounts of money. And so does that sort of just, I think by building these it, types of games, I think that's part you just of it. capitalizing on, on wallet right now. I think what's re, I think what's, I think, yeah, that's part of it. I think for long-term and Zynga is a well business anyway, we know that for yep. long-term sustainability though, there's going to have to be new interesting and fun mechanics that are unlocked from utilizing the blockchain to enhance the game experience itself. And we will see if Zynga can figure out a way to do that. Um, there is, you know, some skepticism around that because when Zynga has tried to, again, move away from their core, right, they haven't really been able to do so. Um, without acquisition, and even they got into kind of like these mid-core games, they haven't done that well since they acquired them. Their real bread and butter at this point is mobile games, studios, and games that they've bought over time um, that are casual to hyper-casual. And to the extent that they're going to be successful expanding past that, whether into cross-platform or the blockchain is up in the air. So we've got our final slide, which is we're going to go back to Jack Dorsey, who is responding to Austin uh, Reef from Morning Brew, who made a comment of like, he'd love to just sort of see, you know, Jack and, and Mark Andreessen, um, to get, you know, sort of battle, no, battle this out on, on Clubhouse or on Twitter spaces. And Jack just responds, I just want to hug in the metaverse, and it, it, it sort of made me laugh. Trademark. The trademark. Yeah, I don't know. That's the whole because hilarious thing. Yeah. But, but then on top of it, I also just started thinking about the whole, like, Zuckerberg thing of, like, the whole idea that we're going to live and breathe in the metaverse and work yeah, out and Jack hang out with our friends. Jack is obviously skeptical like, about that. Yeah, but, and I'm just like, the whole thing is, like, trolling on the entire thing. It's not just an Andreessen, but just this whole sort of, we're going to live in this metaverse with goggles on. It's just Im Im important he's trolling on parts of it. There's a lot of principles of the platform shifts that are going on that he does agree with and believe in, including decentralization he just thinks that there's been a bastardization of mm -hmm. decentralization he's also a maxi and i'm not sure yeah, if, if people maxi. go after him for being a, a bitcoin maxi that would he 
similarly engage or just not respond or how, I don't know how that would go. What do you think? No, he was saying that <laughs> that Ethereum wasn't decentralized also. Right. Because he's a maxi. Yeah. Well, Rich, can you bark once for us? Just one bark. <laughs> one more. Just one more. Roof, roof. And I don't even that, understand what the barking is. Wait, so what is, is our next episode? Is it before? Is it right before New Year's? After New Year's? Is this the last? We're gonna do, I think oh. we're going to do New Year's Eve. I think we'll do a oh. New Year's Eve episode. Oh, that's hopefully. wonderful. Maybe we should do. Maybe we should review the prediction last year's predictions to see how many were right or wrong. I think we did that last year. I think that's actually a really good idea. Our our top twenty one for twenty one. You mean? Can we get through that that. in an hour? I don't know. Probably. We can. I think we can generally talk about what's happened over the last year in a fun and infotaining way. Sounds like a plan. Have a great weekend, everyone. Brandon, enjoy the snow. Merry Christmas. Uh, And I will be. See you after Christmas, everyone. Bye.